Okay. So you remember the last sentence? Let me read it. All right. Last time in Romans, so far in Romans, uh, verses 1 through 11, we talked about there's no condemnation in Christ. It's all been done. The Spirit is leading you. You no longer walk in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Um, your body's dead because of sin, and you're alive through Christ. And then in um, last week in verses 12 through 17, we uh, we said that we were showing that we're led by the Spirit, and that you've not received a spirit of bondage where God is your taskmaster, where He's you know standing over you with a whip, but He's your Father. That way, He He disciplines you with love and all those kind of things. And the last sentence says. That the Spirit bears witness with our spirit, this is verse 16, that we are the children of God. 17, this is the last one we did last week. It says, and if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So we suffer with Christ, we're glorified with Christ. So in this next section... From 18 to 30, and I didn't have enough room, so we're just going to read, what is that, 28, 29, and 30, maybe. Um, This next section, he's going to talk about, okay, I understand you're telling me that I'm victorious over death. And I'm victorious over sin, and that life for me in Christ is nothing but, but you know, it's it's all. I'm triumphant, and I've everything's been done for me, and now I'm walking in peace and glory, and I'm doing all those things. But if that's the case, why is it that I still suffer? Why do I still why do I still go through the same things everybody else goes through? It's like like if you stood up, if you stood Bruce up and then somebody else beside him and they didn't open their mouth and you know we're not talking about watching them walk around and live, but you just looked at them, they would look exactly the same even though one is a child of God and one is not a child of God. So it said, you know, they both get old, they both, you know, get sick, they both, you know, are the, have frailties, they both, you know, they both tornadoes hit people's houses and, you know, just this stuff is going on, you're suffering through this life. So it says, basically he's saying, how can I be, I'm an heir of God, a child of God, heir with Christ, how is it that if all that's true, why am I still going through all the things that I'm going through? Why does, you know, why do I still have the pains of life and the hurts and the, all the things that I, that I go through? And what he's going to do is basically in this section, he's going to, from from 18 to uh, 25, he talks about why all this suffering's taking place. And then from 26 through 30, he's going to tell us the things that he's given us to uh, help us walk through suffering. When we talk about suffering, we're not talking about just persecution or the things like that. We're talking about life, just life in general, you know, just the things that you have to go through. When it says suffering, I don't want you just to think about somebody torturing you or somebody having awful, you know, it's just the crap of life. You know, it's just 
the stuff you go through. You know, we're heirs of God, but we still live in flesh. We still live in this world. We still live in the, you know, we still have all this stuff to go through. That makes sense? Y'all awake? Any questions? It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Basically what he's saying is, you know, he said, you will be glorified with him if you suffer with him, is what he said in 17. In 18 he's saying, but the sufferings of this present time, the sufferings that we're going through now, you know, the, thing, the world is not the way it should be and the creation's grown and he says all those things it's not even worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed it's not even worthy to I mean it, it's not even you put it on a scale all the suffering that you're going to go through your whole life from birth to death and then the glory of eternity with Christ I mean it doesn't even compare it, the scale just you know it, it's not even it's not even on the it's not even on the charts um, I, I use this illustration all the time. I'm sure you've probably heard me use it before. But we think, we tend to think of when we're going through something, whatever it may be, maybe it's disease, you know, tragedy, death in the family, accident, you know, just human evil, whatever it is that we go through, sometimes it's hard to see the silver lining so to speak it's hard it's hard when you're right in the middle of a trial to trust that everything's going to be okay you know what i mean like for instance people come to me all the time you know because i'm supposed to be you know youth pastor or whatever and they say i'm going through this and and i got awesome answers from the bible you know what i mean i'm like i can hook you up but then when i go through something it's like I go, I, I'm doing the same thing they're doing, and then I'm knowing, well, you know what the answer is, yeah, but I don't care. I don't, you know what I mean? I, I, when you're in the middle of that suffering, it just feels like this is all that it's ever going to be. I'm never going to get out of this. It's going to end bad. It's going to, you know, and it just, it's hard to see the fact that all of this life, all this suffering is, is just but a moment compared to the glory that we're going to be revealed in us. I used this illustration before. I'm sure a bunch of you heard it, but a billion, you know, a billion, the number, a billion. I could write it. How many zeros is a billion? See, one, two, three, one, two, three, nine zeros is a billion. When you say billion, it doesn't really seem like that much now because we trillions in debt and spending billions on this and that and everything. But a billion is a big number. Do you know if I counted this up last night, if I counted backwards, and I, you, some of y'all have heard this before, if I counted backwards a billion seconds, like this one, the, next, the one before it, the one before it, the one before it, and I just counted those seconds, a billion seconds ago, it was 1982. That's a billion seconds ago. Like how many of y'all was... I guess most of y'all probably was born in 19... I'm still thinking I'm... If I was in youth class, none of them was born in that. So, a billion seconds ago, it was 1982. All them kids played in the praise band this morning, all the youth. They ain't even been alive a billion seconds yet. A billion minutes ago. A billion minutes ago, the year would be 
113 A.D. So there ain't nobody in this room on this planet that has been alive for a billion minutes. There's nobody that's been alive for 500,000 or 500 million minutes. So a billion hours, I don't think creation has been here for a billion hours. It's, it's be like 115,000 years, a billion hours. So I, I'm not of the opinion that creation's been here that long. So I want you to think about that for a minute. How small is your life if a billion seconds ago it was 1982, a billion minutes ago it was 113 A.D.? And so think about this. After we've been in glory, enjoying the presence of Christ, enjoying life eternal, enjoying all the things heaven has to offer for a billion years... If a billion seconds is 82, a billion minutes is 113 A.D., a billion hours is 115,000 years, imagine how long a billion years would be. And then after you, you fathom that number, a billion years, after that's over with, you'll still have eternity left to go. So that means a billion more, and then a billion more, and then a billion more, and then a billion more. So you see where you see how it's easy to, when you think about it, to say that the sufferings of this life, they just don't even compare. I mean, you can't even begin to begin to compare what it with what glory is going to be like. Would you trade? Would you trade one second of intense, awful, excruciating suffering in order to never have pain again the rest of your life? That was a question. I would. would. One second versus the rest of your life? I mean, I can do do anything for one second. It's like, oh, there it is, gone. Yeah. That's kind of what it's like. That's kind of that's kind of what it's like. I mean, the sufferings of this present world is. I mean, it's just nothing to be compared. What's so funny now? Taking my zipper down or something? Sound like you kind of passed gas or something. Well, thank you for telling me about it. my secrets. Stranger things have been known to happen. Anyway. So, think about that. I mean, think about the hardest thing that you've ever gone through, whatever it may be. I mean, some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have, you know, maybe sickness has touched your family. Maybe, you know, who knows? Who knows? It could be anything. The hardest thing that you've ever gone through. Understand that all the sufferings that we go through, they don't even come. I mean, it's... To dwell on them would be foolishness. Like if you were standing over, if you were standing over your child, and we took, who do we take? Who got the shots last? Sophie, one of them. And it's like 
Dana will say, oh, we're just going to the doctor. It's going to be fine. I'm like, they're going to give you a shot. <laughs> You're going to get a shot. It's this big. You know? And of course, she, uh, you know, she's like, and that's all she can focus on. Oh, I don't want to get a shot. I don't want to get a shot. I say, it's going to hurt. Uh, yeah, I don't go when she gets shots. No, forget that. Uh, so anyway, all she could focus on was the shot. But man, we as adults know, you know, if you don't get the shot, you're gonna get something really, really bad, some bad disease or, or whatever, you know, whatever they're for. So that moment of pain, it doesn't compare to a lifetime of smallpox or whatever. What are they getting shot for? Polio. Is that like, am I, am I out of date a little bit? Just a little bit? You get the gist. Okay. So, why is it going on? Why are we suffering? Why do we still live in this nasty, fleshly world? Why do we still live with sin and have to put up with disease and tornadoes and accidents and human evil and all this stuff? And it says, verse uh, 19... Uh, it says, because, it says, it's not worthy to be compared with the glory that should be revealed in us, for, because, the earnest expectation of the creature, the word creature, here, here, and I think one other place here, is the same word as creation. So, really, when it says creature here, it's talking about everything that's been created, any creature, every creature. It says, the earnest expectation of the creation, the whole creation, it's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. What does manifestation mean? Oh, come on. It ain't a, it ain't a trick question. Yeah. The, the revealing, actually. It's this, it's this word, revealing. Revealing and manifestation. You probably recognize that word. It's apocalypsis. It's where we get the word apocalypse and all that. The, the revealing, the uncovering of the sons of God. I love that picture because right now, like I told you, if I stay in one, the sons of God who we are inside, been made perfect in Christ. We have been set apart for service to Christ and, and, and we're made new and God sees us as perfect and holy. But on the outside, we look just like this other guy. You know what I mean? Like I, I still get old. I still get wrinkles. I still get sick. I still have car accidents. Uh, but there's going to come a day when what's inside me is going to be revealed and I'm going to have a new body and I'm going to have a new life and I'm going to have a, it's going to be revealed what God has made me inside he's going to make outside and it'll be revealed to all creation and to everything that I am a child of God. I am a son of the creator. So it says even the creation itself is waiting for everything to be made right. And verse 20 and 21 is one big sentence. It says, For the creature, the creation, was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Okay. That confusing anybody? Anybody have any comments? Y'all want to say something? Y'all just want me to talk the whole time? Y'all, nothing? Okay. Um, it's talking about creation and it says it's going to be delivered to the liberty of the children of God. I mean, that kind of confused right there because I'm thinking creation is already talking about us and then talking about going to be delivered to the liberty of the children of God. 
Right. It's going to be delivered from the bondage of corruption. What corrupted the creation? Sin, the fall, right? It's going to be delivered from that. What's it going to be delivered into? It's going to be delivered into the, the glorious liberty. What's the glorious liberty of the children of God? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the redemption, the the final, you know, the, the kingdom of God has been, uh, I'm trying to think, of, what's another word for inaugurated? Like, it's begun. It's like, but it, it hadn't reached, it hadn't been consummated. It hadn't been, we live, we live in an already, not yet. Got it? That's easy. Already, already the kingdom of God is here. You're a child of God. You're part of his kingdom. He's your ruler. Nothing can come against you and prosper. It's already, it's done deal. But there's a not yet part of it too. Because I still live in this body. I still live in this world. I'm still subject to sickness. I'm still subject to, to death. I'm going to die one day. You know, I'm going to have to go through these things. You know, my, as I get older, the people that I know are going to start dying as they get older. My parents are going to die. I, you know, it, it, I still go through all these things. It says the glorious liberty of the children of God is when there is no more suffering. There's no more pain, there's no more dying, there's no more parting, no more disease, no more sorrow of any kind, no more sin, no more curse, no more anything. What verse 20 and 21 is, is basically he's talking about Genesis 3. He's talking about when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and subjected the whole world to um, the fall. The, the creature, the creation creature was made subject to vanity. Vanity is the same word that is used in Ecclesiastes where he says everything is just meaningless. It's meaningless, empty. So it was made meaningless and empty, not willingly. Who was not subjected to vanity willingly? The creation. The creation didn't choose nothing. The creation got plunged into judgment by who? Why did God plunge? Yeah, because of Adam and Eve, because of sin. The creation, if you go back, uh, let, me, let me read it to you. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, God is pronouncing judgment on, God's pronouncing judgment on the creation. He pronounced judgment on Adam, then, uh, or Satan, then Eve, and then Adam. And part of Adam's judgment... <coughs> Genesis 3, 17, it says, And unto Adam, this is God pronouncing judgment, unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Verse 18 says, Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of the ground it was taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. So it was saying because of what Adam did, Adam and Eve, the creation itself was plunged into a curse. So how does that, what does that have to do with you? That there, it was just Providence that I found that little article. I don't know how many of y'all read it, but it says you don't groan alone. And so you need to understand 
we have a tendency when I'm going through something to think, God, what are you doing to me? Why, why is this happening to me? Why, I mean, wh- how come I'm going through all this stuff? What am I going to... You need to understand, you're not going through it all, but you're, you're part of this fallen creation. And these things are happening because of sin. They're happening because of human sin. And we're going to see down here at the bottom, that I didn't get to write, that God is not up there just looking around going, dang, that sucks. I wish that wouldn't have happened. He's up there working everything for good for those who love God. So it's saying... The, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly. It didn't, the creature didn't, the creation didn't do anything to be subjected to the curse, all that we see out there. It was because of Adam and Eve's sin that God pronounced judgment on the whole thing. But by the reason of him who subjected it, which was God who subjected it because of Adam's sin, the same, but it wasn't subjected to futility or emptiness or vanity. Without hope. Genesis 3.15 is the first mention of the gospel in the Bible. I don't know if you, you ever, did you ever know that? That the gospels mention God's first pronouncement of judgment also comes with hope of the gospel. In Genesis, before we get to the pronouncement of judgment, well, as he's pronouncing judgment on Satan, Genesis 3.15, God says, I will put enmity, which is hatred, I will put hatred between thee and the woman, talking about Satan, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise, the seed shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And all through Scripture, the writers of Scripture, the prophets, the apostles, they apply this passage to Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ who, you know, the Satan bruised his heel by the crucifixion, but by the crucifixion, Jesus crushed the head of the serpent, and he defeated death. And so... It was subject to, the, the creation was subject to emptiness and the curse of sin, but it was subject to it in hope. And so uh, the hope is that when we, are, when we are all that we are made to be, and there's a new heaven, new earth, it says the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Did you know... <laughs> That I ought to do this sometime. I think when we get done with Romans, we may run through just not the whole deal, but a couple of those systematic theology things where, like, we talk about heaven and what heaven is and what eternity is. Did you know I, I was always afraid to go to heaven? Like, you, you don't hear too many people say you're afraid to go to heaven. Like, everybody's afraid to go to hell, but, you know, like, I always thought heaven was like, I don't know, like, chubby little spirits floating around with harps and stuff, you know. You know, like, just some kind of, you know, being on a cloud. You know, just being... I didn't really even know. I was like, all I know is I like being me. And I don't want to go be no little Cupid angel playing a harp, and I don't want to be no spirit floating around, you know. But the reality is, the reality is that heaven, eternity, what? I said something about, was you there this morning? In early seven? Okay, well, never mind. You don't mention the fig leaf. Uh, the, see, now I forgot what I was talking about. See, y'all can thank them for derailing my thought pattern. 
What was I saying? Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So in eternity, I want you to think, what? Stop it. I'm never going to get done. Nah, that's not the way I put it, I don't think. But what I, listen. Go and get it out. Get it done with. I can take it. I give it out enough. I can take it. My point in all that was not that I was didn't just want to be a fat little ain't, huh? I'm good. I look like a fat little angel. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh yeah. Okay. So. In eternity, in eternity, it won't be just, you know, like cosmic, ooh, spirits floating around. I'm going to be alive, and you're going to be alive, and I'm going to have a body, and you're going to have a body, and I'm going to be Jason, and you're going to be who you are, and the things that I know here, I'm going to know there, and the people I know here, I'm going to know there, and, you know, it's a return. If you read Scripture as a whole and not just take little pieces here and pieces there, what you find is that the beginning, the way it was, Adam and Eve in the garden, working in the garden and, you know, doing their thing, and then they fell into the curse... The whole Bible is, a call, is God's plan, purpose being worked out where at the end it culminates in a return to perfect fellowship with God for God's people just the way Adam and Eve were in the beginning. So the way, the way Adam and Eve were in the beginning is the way it's going to be at the end. If you read Revelation 21, 20, 21, or no, 21, 22, it talks about the tree of life being there and the, 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 the fruit of the tree is healing for the nations. And, you know, it, it uses the same imagery at the end as it used at the beginning to show in Genesis. So the way Adam and Eve were is the way we're going to be. I mean, there was work to do in the garden. There's going to be work to do in eternity. Did you realize that? I mean, it's not going to be just laying around on a couch, letting somebody, it's going to be life. You're going to be alive. you you're going to be you're going to be alive, alive. you're going to know all that you know here the only difference between there and here is that i'm going to have we're going to have perfect bodies which you know i'm pretty close to that now but you know we're going to have <laughs> some of y'all are like oh, okay we're going to have we're going to have perfect bodies we're not going to we're not going to there's going to be no more sin there's going to be no more sorrows there's going to be no more suffering there's going to be no more parting no more dying no more accidents no more tragedies no more, you know, tornadoes and no more, you know, it's, it's no more, no more effects of the curse that that was subjected to the creation. It's going to be no more. It says the, the wolf will lie down with the lamb. Uh, we won't be afraid of anything in creation. It won't be all tooth and fang, survival of the fittest. It'll be, I mean, it'll be the way that it was supposed to be in, in the very beginning. It'll be perfect. That's the hope. The creation, that's what it's going to be when the creation is delivered from the bondage of corruption. It means the creation itself is going to be made new. So, until that happens though, verse 22, we know that the whole creation is groaning and it's travailing. What does travailing mean? Huh? Yeah, suffering, yeah. In pain together until now. 
and not only they, but ourselves waiting for the adoption of Corey Say Behold. Wow, I missed something right there, didn't I? Yeah. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. That's right. For we are saved by hope, hope that is seen. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope? We hope for that we're seen. Likewise, the Spirit's help our infirmities. Where does it talk about... Maybe it's in them verses I didn't know. What? About the child childbirth? Labor pains? No. I mean, yeah, it was. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. 29. Okay, I just hadn't got there yet. All right, we'll get to it. Okay, so, and I... We know that the whole creation's groaning. So when you see, listen, all of creation, all of creation is suffering the same thing that you're suffering. It's getting older, it's decaying, it's having, you know, it's having horrible things are going on. There's a curse of sin that's on it and it's and you need to understand that when you go, you do not suffer in this life alone, no matter what you're going through. We're all suffering something. We're all going through something. All of creation is going through something. So we have a tendency to kind of focus everything on us and say, why are you doing this to me? Like Job did, you know, it's like, why are you doing this to me? When the reality is... It's all of creation. It's because of human sin. All of creation is going through this. All there's, there's suffering around every corner. It says that it right now, the whole creation out there is groaning. And it's, it's, it's suffering in pain uh, together until now. And not only them, but ourselves, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. In the Old Testament, first fruits was... Uh, you would bring your harvest, you would have, you know, have your harvest, and the first thing that you, the first little gleaning that you got from your field, you would bring and you would give it to God, and it was a sacrifice, and what it was, was, was like, uh, it was like a... An assurance that the rest of the harvest was going to be good. It was like, a, I'm going to give you, you know, that's where we get, that's where tithing comes from. And so we, we tithe and, and God provides the increase. So what this is, is God gave us the first fruit of the Spirit. It's the Spirit is our down payment. The Spirit is our assurance that we know that the restoration of everything is coming. Why? Because He's restored my heart. He's restored my life. He's restored my relationship with with God and that is the proof that he's going to restore everything back from sin so even we ourselves grown within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body I thought we were already adopted didn't we say that last time I thought we were already redeemed what is it talking about here when it says we're waiting for the adoption to wit to wit means which means the redemption of our body yeah, it's talking about the, the fulfillment of the whole thing. We're waiting for, I've been redeemed, my soul is redeemed, my heart is renewed, it's made new, it's all good. Now I'm waiting for my body to be made perfect. 
like Jesus is made perfect. That's what we're waiting for. For we are saved by hope, by, better translated, in. For we are saved in hope. We have been saved. It's a done deal. But we also have hope for the future. But hope that is, what, what this is answering is, well, why, why do I, how come I can't see what's going on? How come, how, what about this glory that's supposed to come? Why can't, why, why do we have to go through all this now? It's saying we're saved in this hope, but this hope, hope is not hope if you can see it. So it says, if it's seen, it's not hope for what a man seeth. Why did he yet have hope? But if we hope for that which, I did miss something right there. If we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Okay? So what it's saying is, you are suffering right now through life. You know, and I say suffering, I'm, I'm not meaning like, oh, we're just walking around going, oh, life is so awful. You know, because really there's joy in Christ and we have. But what I'm saying is, your bodies are getting feeble and you're decaying and you're getting sick and you're getting older and bad things happen. and It's just the suffering of life. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about walking around just pouting all the time or whatever. So it says that we are saved in this hope that all this is going to be made new. There is going to come a day when everything that is upside down is made right. There's going to come a day when every wrong is going to be fixed, when all sickness is going to be wiped away, and all the things that make the creation imperfect are going to be gone. There's going to be a day when we stand and we... Talk face to face with Christ. You know, just the way Adam, you read about Adam walking through the, in the cool of the day with God in the garden. That will be, we'll, there will be a day when we are going to be walking in the cool of the day, so to speak, with God. Face to face, talking. Not, not praying to Him in faith, but speaking to Him face to face. There's going to be a day when all that's made right, when all this curse of creation is gone. So what do we do until then? How do we live? I mean, how do we get through all this stuff? Verses 26 through 30, I'm probably going to have to go quick. What time is it? Yeah, i got 10 minutes. Um, it says, Likewise, in the same way that we, with patience... Wait for it. It says in that same way, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. It helps our weaknesses. Because we don't even know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. As we go through suffering, we're going re- to find out soon about how suffering, God uses suffering to, to wean us off of our dependence of the world. Um, you think about it, when you're younger, you know, you're in your 18s or 20s, you know, the world is just such a draw. It's such a, you know, you, you, you rarely meet somebody who's ready, you know, I'm ready to die, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to be in heaven, I'm ready to whatever, because we have such an attachment to these things. And I've even found it in myself as, you know, I, I just... There's just, I'm not talking about evil things. I'm just talking about being here, you know, just enjoying life, family. I'm just talking about, I, I like it here. You know what I mean? Just talking about that. But the sufferings of the curse, what that does is it weans us off of that. 
so that by the time we, we go through life as believers, by the time we get to where God is about to take us home, we are... I want to go. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of this place. I'm tired of this. Have you ever met anybody like that? Maybe grandparents or people in nursing homes or everything. I always thought, you know, I, I used to go visit this lady in the nursing home. And she's always like, I'm ready, I'm ready to die. And I'm like, well, that's pretty depressing for me to come in here and listen to you ready to die all the time, you know. But she was ready to go, you know. She was ready to go. And I, I always thought, you know, that's, I wish I could be like that, you know. I, 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 I like to hang around a little while, you know what I mean? It's like a joke where it's like, I, I, I don't want to get a bus load up right now, you know. I don't want to, I mean, I, I'm ready to go. But, you know, I... I'd like to see Sophie graduate. I'd like to, you know, there's lots of stuff I'd like to do. I, I ain't really ready to go right now. But I'm 41 now, and I'm ready to go more now than I was when I was first saved. You know, like I was saved at 29, and, you know, 30, 31, 32, I still, I can still remember having, you know, anxiety about dying and about what it's going to be and, but the more that I live in this world and have to battle with my flesh and have to battle with sin and have to like go through all the things that are going through, the more I'm ready just to check out. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I could check out today or who knows, or I could live another 50 years. But I know that the suffering that we go through is used by God so that by the time when he's ready to come and get us, Man, we're ready to go. You know what I mean? It's like weaning a puppy off his off his. You know, he don't want to. He don't want to get off the. He don't want to get off the booby. You know what I mean? Can I say booby in Sunday school class? He don't. He, he don't want to get. See, I just ruined it right then. Didn't I? I ruined the whole. I had it going on and ruined the deal. What I should have said? I said it's better than other things you could have said. Okay. Well, the it, puppy don't want off of it, but you gotta you gotta get him off of it. You got to get them off of it. And so we're addicted. We're addicted to worldly stuff. Not, not talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and bank robbery, and all. I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about the world, this place, you know, this life. We're just addicted to it. And he's weaning us off of that. So it says, for, uh, we already read those. Let me go to the ones I hadn't got to yet. Uh, got to hurry. Where am I at? 27. Yeah, oh, the Spirit. Spirit helps our infirmities because even when we're going through these sufferings, God uses it for our good. God is doing good things in it. But what do we do? God, get me out of this. Get me out of this suffering right now. I don't want to have to go through this. I don't want to have to learn nothing. I just want out, right? But the Spirit, what are you smiling at? Was that funny? Just the way I did that? Was it my... Oh, okay. Uh... The Spirit prays for us even when we don't, we don't even know how to pray right. You ever, you ever been faced with a situation that's like, I don't even know what to pray for, man. I don't know which way's right, what way's up. I don't know what I'm supposed to do or anything like that. The Spirit inside you is praying for you in accordance with God's will. So what that means is it always gets done. There's never a time when the Spirit's prayer is not answered with a yes. Because He's always praying with the will of God. It says, 
But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts, that's the Father, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, that's the Spirit, because he, the Spirit, makes intercession, means praise, for who? The saints, according to what? The will of God. We can get through suffering in this life because the Spirit Himself is for us. We're going to see in the very next section next week that if God's for us, man, there's nobody that can be against us because He's God. So it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Now, y'all have read that before, I'm sure, and y'all have heard that verse before. But... The next verse explains that verse, which you may not have heard before. It says, For whom he did know, for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. You ever wondered what God's will for you is? I can tell you right now. It's to be conformed to the image of his son. So how can all how can all the bad things work for my good? How can all the suffering work for my good? How can all the heartache and the tragedy and the things that we go through and just all everything in life, how can all that stuff be working toward my good? Because God is not interested in your happiness as much as he is interested in conforming you to the image of his son. And you learn your greatest lessons through blessing or through pain? It's a question. Pain, yeah. You, you, that's what you don't, when, when you're blessed and you're fat and you're happy and you're satisfied, what happens? God takes a back seat. But when you're suffering and you're going through tragedy and you're going through trial and you realize your weakness and you realize your need, what happens? All of a sudden, you're at God's feet crying out to Him. You're seeking His face. You're trying, you know, you're knowing what you need. That's not the way it should be, but that's the way we are. And God knows that. So all the things that you go through, all the tragedies, all the sickness, all the, you know, all the things in life, even the, even the relationship problems, financial problems, all things work together for good because God is conforming you to the image of His Son. See that? So if I'm going through this tough thing, how can it be for my good? Because my good is being conformed into Jesus' image. It's not just to make me happy. It's not just so I have a good life. It's not just so I'll be comfortable. It's so I will be conformed to the image of Christ. You see that? Everyone who believes in Christ, God has ordained that they are growing in Christ. Okay? That's why all things work together for good. It says all things work together for good to those who love God and are called called according to His purpose for those whom He foreknew, He predestined that they would be conformed to the image of His Son. There is no believer that is not being conformed to the image of His Son. That's why all things work together for good. 
And it ends this section saying, moreover, the ones that he's talking about right here, the ones whom he did predestinate, the ones who are being conformed to the image of his Son, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. We talked about justification. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Isn't it wild that he can speak? I mean, I, I was called. I know that I was called. I was called in the past. I was justified because, you know, he called, I called out upon him and he asked him to save me and he, I was born again. I was justified. But I don't know about you, but I don't feel really glorified yet. I don't know about you guys. But yet he speaks of it as if it's already happened. In God's mind, it's a done deal. It's already happened. I mean, it's already... not. It's so sure that it's going to happen that it's like it's already happened. See what I mean? It's it's so there's nothing that can stop it. If you're a believer in Him, if you've trusted in Christ, there will be a day when your body will be glorified, and everything will be perfect, you'll be put in a new creation. It's so sure that it's so sure to happen, nothing can stop it, and it's so sure that Paul can here talk about it as if it's already happened. It's just there, it's happened. It's a done deal. And you remember how we started off this section? In verse 18, it said the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. And then we ended the section, verse 30, it shows us that says, crap. There it is. Moreover, it says, and them he also glorified. So... Right now, we live in this suffering world. We live in the creation that's suffering, and sometimes we suffer with it, and we go through these things. But all things are working together for our good. So we can look at our suffering and say, God is conforming me into the image of Christ with this. And we can look at that suffering, and we know the two things that help us is, number one, we know that it's working for our good because the Spirit right now is praying for me according to God's will. So whatever's going on in this, it's according to God's will, and He's He's showing me what He's He's conforming me into His image, and it's for my good. And the second thing is that His purpose will never fail. All things work together for good. For those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose, because we are being conformed to the image of His Son. Make sense? Any questions? Comments? Nothing?